This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I'm your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we're reclaiming the narrative of fatherhood, one story at a time. You can follow the journey on Instagram at Therapy for Dads and our website, www.therapyfordads.com. Welcome. So to shift gears a bit, uh, if you don't mind, uh, for kind of the second half of this, I'm wondering, can you speak a bit about, and this is, I'm going to put quotes on this, but I asked this question, but can you tell me a bit about your mental health journey and what that means, you know, as of now, and whether that's traditional, I saw a therapist or taking care of your mental health, what does that really mean to you? Or what's that been like? So mental health journey, how far do we go back? Um, okay, I'll give a backstory because this is, I think this is very important. So when I was, mm, let's say 1998 slash 1999, I lost five family members over the space of 16 months, all in separate instances. Uh, that knocked me for six. Didn't, I had wow. more students to go to funeral than anything else. Oh my goodness. Um, that then I think was a big part for why I opened up a little bit more to religion slash faith. Mm. in the early noughties um and that sort of helped balance me out a little bit because it gave me some hope something to hold on to something that helped justify why things happen or didn't happen um then obviously i got you know when i was applying for jobs and i you know as a child you'd watch tv um you'd see people have big houses have a car have a family and i never understood how to get from my situation to get to their situation so my mind was always mm. trying to work how to fill in, fill in the blanks and having the Bible, having God in my life, helped me to have hope to know that you need to apply yourself. It had a very, it had a lot of very good teaching, and then the people that were teaching the message were people that could mentor me and help me, and that got me to a certain point. Um, unfortunately, I'm not in the same place I was then. Not necessarily a bad reason, but for whatever reason, I'm not there anymore. But I got to a point where I was at work, I was doing fantastic well. I then got accused of something that I didn't do. Hmm. Thankfully, it got thrown out yeah, because there was no basis on it. It was absolute rubbish. But the the impact had on my mental health was actually absolutely detrimental because I came back from annual leave, um, went into the office, got told I got to go into a meeting like the following day or something. Went in there, it was me and three other managers. I got accused of something. I didn't know what was going on. I, think I was meant to have a representation, didn't have it. Mm. Then I got escorted off the premises, walking home. I just acquired my property, what's a year prior to that. Um, so we moved up in scale and I'm thinking I've got new debt. I've got all this stuff going on. Like what, what's going on? Um, I even walked home and walking home probably took me just under an hour because I, I just couldn't get my head around it. Um, everyone at work stopped talking to me because they got told they couldn't talk to me because of the investigation going on. Mm. And I just felt so isolated. I just felt absolutely just, ah. mm. and I think it got to the point where, um, I've got two cats, so it sounds really stupid. My cats really, really helped me be a parent because it was someone else responsible for be outside of myself. My wife's self-sufficient; she cracks on, does what she needs to do. Hmm. But with my cat, he he would always know when I wasn't a hundred percent, and he would do this really annoying thing because he's a house cat. He would go to the toilet and he wouldn't cover it up because he knew it means I could get up to clean it because it stunk. Um, and he just stare, stare at me dead in the face, knowing that I'm going to get a whiff of it. And I was like, whatever. 
but yeah. I would feel so lonely outside of those times that mm. I guess I kind of appreciate that he did that and the way he would be playful and encourage me. I was just being bed sobbing and so forth. And eventually got to the point where when I did feel comfortable enough to go out of the house and see a friend who would talk to me, who ironically used to be a client, but then I couldn't be, actually, I couldn't look after anymore because we were friends outside of work. She was like saying, uh, her and her daughter were saying to me like, you know, it's really bad what's happened, but you know, why aren't you fighting? It's like, I, I, I just haven't, I had no energy to fight. Hmm. And she was saying to me like, what have you got to lose? I said, I don't. She says, so why not fight? And it, it didn't really resonate with me as much at that time, but eventually it seeped in. And, you know, I did fight it. And then by fighting it, it meant for me, my interpretation of fight was to get my mental health right. And that's when I accepted to go to the NHS, as we have over here, mm. eventually go to cog- this cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT mm-hmm. and kind of understand how to manage my mental well-being. Mm. And then I've just kind of learned the pattern that works for me. And that's kind of helped me going forward. And as I've always said, I'm very much an overthinker. And now, this sounds very, very stupid to anyone listening, but I make no apologies for it. In my head, I have five things that are constantly playing. And the reason why I have five things that I focus on throughout the day is because if one thing doesn't kind of go to where I want to go, I've got four other things I could be appreciative for. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't upset me because the one bad thing isn't outweighed by the four bad, uh, good things. Mm -hmm. So... That's how I process things. I learned that I need to have something in my life because I'm a very creative person, but I felt that I was so involved in my work that I wasn't doing any creative work at all. And that was part of my identity. So I lost who I was in my work. Mm. This is now kicked me in the tea for somewhere else that's very sensitive to me um, or most guys. (laughs) And then I had nothing to show for it. Yeah. So I had to find myself again, Mm. allow myself to be mad. Matt the creative, Matt the this person, Matt the, just be me and be unapologetically that. And eventually I've learned how to cope with things. I still have faith. I, yeah, I'm still all about that. But I, I process things in a different way and understand that everyone is going through their own struggles, whether they show it or not. Hmm. But we all going through our own struggles and we all got to understand that we manage it and we navigate that space in a very different way to one another. It's not necessarily right. It's not necessarily wrong. But if it allows us to function, then you kind of do what you've got to do. But I do think therapy is very important. I think talking to people is very important. The right people, obviously, not just talking to any Tom, Dick and Harry. But I think it's very important that we identify when things are not feeling right. If you're walking down the street and you suddenly get a cramp in your foot or get, let's say you get a stone in your shoe. Yes. For the first, you know, 200 steps, you can probably just carry on. But if you're starting limping, Mm. stop for a minute and take that out your shoe or go see a GP, go see someone, talk to someone because Mm. it's not about it becoming the new norm for you. You Mm. need to reassess yourself. Yes. Things will change because you won't be able to do what you used to do, but understand that it's got to be done. It's got to be a healthy change rather than a change forced on you because you haven't done anything about it. And your mental health along with your physical health is important because once that goes, unfortunately it's very hard to get it back to where it used to be. And Mm. your family and you deserve to be mentally sound. Mm. You know, amongst men, men have so that we, we, we're we're the ones that have the most suicides, which is Mm -hmm. disgusting to hear. And I think a lot of it is because no one listens to us when we do talk. And when we do talk, people look at us like we're not making sense, like we're talking a foreign language to them. And so it's very important that we understand 
how to articulate our emotions when we feel yeah. a certain way, that we have people that are willing to listen to us when we want to talk. And that, you know, platforms like this, I would definitely encourage to sort of jump on board if you're allowed to, you know, got to be nice, Travis, um, you know, or just listen yeah. to other podcasts and just see hear how other people share their experiences because it is so yeah. important that you share what's going on so that you no longer feel that yeah. suicide or self-harm or anything toxic yeah. that is becomes available as an option for you. Those things should never be on the table. So always, you know, always have an option. Also, yeah. Let me say it's better. You have options. Yes. You, you always, always, always have options. Always. But let's make sure that suicide, self-harm or anything toxic like that is grayed out and never available as an option for you. Absolutely. Talk to your spouse if you can't talk to your spouse. Talk to a friend if you can't talk to a friend. Find someone at work or a stranger who's in that position, because I'm sure there's charities over there like there is over here mm -hmm. that help with mental health and suicide yep. and stuff like that who are willing to listen to you. All you've got to do is take the first step, pick up yep. the phone or walk into that place and just talk and be receptive mm. to what they're saying. Mm. What, Matt, 100%, 100% guys, men and, and women listening to the show, there's, there's always help. Um, there is, no matter where you are, no matter what it is, those certain behaviors or certain things, there's help for that. There's space, there's people wanting to listen, no matter who it is. Like you said, start with spouse, partner, family, friends, but find a safe person and get to someone. And, and 100%, I back that up you don't have to do it alone don't have to suffer alone there are people there that are, that are trained that are willing to help and and give some give some aid and, and so i'm wondering um if you can speak to a little more specifically because since we kind of now are on this topic and you mentioned men and 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 went down that path i'm wondering as a man and you can speak to as deep or wherever you want to speak to this um you know as a man um and you can go here too as an african-american man Seeking mental health, asking for help, whether from just being a man or, you know, adding the race card to what, what's that, what was it like for you? Was it something that you, was that familiar to that? Was it normal to ask for help? Was that like a big risk? Like, can you speak to that a little bit from your experience? So it's a bit difficult for me because I've always felt like I've been on the outside looking in, 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 mm. in most situations. So me doing something that's different didn't really phase me too tough um if i i guess if my if my dad was more involved in my life i'd feel very different because he's one of those type of individuals that oh this is not the done thing hey i don't care if i need help i need help right mm. um i guess to give a bit of backstory um where i live in essex in london in london well it's greater london in england yeah. um it's predominantly a white area okay um and my dad's side of the family lived in hackney which is east london so when I would be around my mom and my cousins, I would act a certain way. I'd articulate myself like I do with you guys. Um, and, you know, I'd walk without a limp. You know, that's just how I was when I was younger. When I went to see my dad's side of the family and I spoke and I carried, away, carried myself the way I do, I would be told I was too white. Then I'd talk slang and walk with a limp like them, come back to my home. My cousin would say I'd act too black. So I'd always be not good enough for the other ones unless I was a chameleon and adapted accordingly. So asking for help was very much, well, that's probably not a black thing to do. Like, you know what? I, I, I don't really care. That's not really a guy thing to do. I don't really care. Like if I need to do something, I need to do something. Yeah. But for me, the pros outweighed the negative because mm. laying in bed, not having the willpower to want to get up or get out of the bed, mm. 
not wanting to brush my teeth, not willing to wash myself, not willing to engage in conversation with my wife while she comes home from a long day of work and have no one to talk to, no one to vent, and for me to break down and take everything she says personally for months. Like, that's not on. Um, I need to do something. My mum having to worry, um, it's just not a good look. So my, my resolve for doing it was that, that I cared about other people in my life more so than I did what I thought strangers would think about how it came across. Mm. Um, I honestly can't. I think I had a black therapist, a male therapist. I can't remember for the life of me. Um, but I can say he was patient. Yeah, I know it was definitely a guy. Um, I can say he was patient. He was understanding. Mm. Um, nothing felt like too much of a chore for him. And ultimately, the biggest thing I took away from it is other than him giving me certain activities to do to prep myself, and don't get wrong, I probably did it for like one day just so I'd done it. Um, but <laughs> it was the fact that there was someone willing to listen to you and they encouraged you to talk. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't my wife or someone else that knows any previous situation, I can give my own version of events without feeling that I'm going to get challenged on it. Because we all know that more times than not, you have a conversation with your other half or in front of your other half, and they'll say, well, that's not how it happened. You're like, oh, do you know what? I'm not going to talk because this is how I understood the situation to be. And you're telling me that's not how it was. Let me just talk. But with that person not there, and you can just say your version, it's a lot easier and it's a lot more um, pleasant. Mm. But I, I, I felt so much more at ease just being able to open my mouth and mm. say my version of events. Um being encouraged to speak, being asked how it made me feel, I think is very important because some people ask you what happened and then not asking you how you made you feel can be very diff very different conversations altogether. Mm. Simply because as a black guy, being asked how I feel is important simply because I think the reason why a lot of black men do take suicide as an option is because for the most part, like if you look at racism, you know, you look at the sky and the sky for the most part is blue. But if the rest of society is telling you that it is pink and you're saying, no, 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 it's blue. And everyone's like, no, nah, mate, that's pink. Why are you stressing for? You're going to start doubting yourself because you cannot believe what your brain is now telling you. Mm -hmm. It's no different to a situation where at the World uh, Euros, I think it was this early on this year, where yeah. the, the three England players that missed the penalty kick got a whole bunch of online abuse. And I took it, yeah. I took it painfully because, you know, I'm a black guy. I don't, I don't like to see that happen. You kind of feel like, just score the goals because if you don't score the goals, you're going to get it. You just knew that was going to happen. And when no one made a reaction of it and thought, oh, no, it's just a few idiots, it's like, well, no, because if I was on the street and I had my bag on my back and someone stole it and you saw it and no one's reacting, and I am, you're making me feel like I'm overreacting about something that's nothing big. Hmm. If you didn't stop the person stealing my bag, then you're part of the problem. Yeah. But it's just trying to get a mentality across to other people. So I think it's just a matter of, if you don't ask people how it makes them feel, you won't truly understand yeah. what where their thought process are and how you can better support them, whether you're an ally or not. You don't you don't have an understanding. Just like if you want to use it to women, when they hear about how over here in the UK there was a woman that uh, I can't remember what her name was, she got um, arrested by a police officer and killed. And now a lot of women are coming out saying that you know it's not fair, it's not right, and so forth and. If you never ask a woman how it makes them feel, you won't understand. You might just say, oh, women, don't worry. Just don't dress a certain way. Don't do that. But until you ask them, how does that make you feel knowing that you're being asked to dress a certain way? Because if you don't, then you deserve it. That you can't get an Uber at this time. You can't get this at that time. 
you won't fully appreciate it. And then that person is being made to feel more isolated because no one actually asks them how they feel or what's, mm. you know, what's going through their head. And I would hate for that to happen to anybody, let alone a grown person. But imagine that was your child that mm. grew up being isolated over years, not being offered the chance to express how they feel about a situation. So that then because they've been able to articulate how they feel, they're then able to process how they feel that they can progress or navigate through that situation going forward if they ever encounter it again. And I just think that therapy itself is so underrated. Some people can find it as an expensive exercise, which it really isn't, depending on how you go about it. But I think that is a massive, massive, massive worthwhile investment into your well-being mm -hmm. and not just for yourself but also for your partner I, I would say at least everyone should go to therapy session at least like a good batch of therapy sessions just because you learn so much more about yourself because friends and families are not well versed in knowing how to be a therapist or how to support you in that regards they'll do a good job if you've got good friends but yeah you know therapists don't have all the answers but they're well equipped to know how to ask the right probing questions to get you thinking and start yeah. reflecting certain aspects of your life but i would definitely say it's well worth doing it and for anyone that don't know i'm in a mixed race relationship so knowing about myself and my mental health is very important because there's a lot of challenges especially with the whole george floyd things that happened last year yeah. that took a very big turn in our relationship not because she wasn't supportive because of other people and mm. you know you you need to be quite quite strong mentally to be able to deal with stuff like that because you're constantly going to get challenges and then you just got to know how to deal with it and Therapy has helped. Having people, having good people around you is majorly important. Having toxic friends around you, but because they've been your day ones, is not a justified reason, in my opinion, to have them mm. around. You need to do what's right. If they were there for you in the beginning and they did the job, fantastic. But if you've outgrown them, you kind of got to leave them there and let them do them and you do you, especially if you've got children involved because they're going to learn those behaviours. And mm. if you can't justify them as an adult, how are you going to parent them as a child? Yeah, do it for your own well-being, especially because if I didn't think the sky's blue and I'm talking to a therapist, guess what? The therapist is going to ask me why I think that's blue. And he might be able to, or she might be able to discover that I might have a mental illness or I might be colorblind or there might be something else and signpost me to the relevant uh, specialist. So yeah. we're, unless you are a doctor... Well, even if you are a doctor, you can't self-diagnose. So go get yourself right. someone else to go talk to you and just sort yourself out. Yeah. A lot of points stood out to me from what you just said there, Matt. And yeah, I remember the whole thing with the England players. And I was so sad to see just, yeah, this is a display of just people again, unfortunately, uh, or the lack of display of people doing the right thing um, again. But, and so yeah. I'm wondering with, with first talking about feelings what was it like for you to initially start down that path seeing a therapist because i mean maybe it was maybe maybe your mom talked to you about it maybe talking about feelings and emotions as a man was just part of what you did um no. maybe i don't know but it's, but i'm wondering was that something that was just like natural like yeah i got this this is great or was it kind of like awkward at first like what was it like from from your experience i think i probably have spoken about my feelings multiple times prior to my first therapy session and that was around the loss of so many family members hmm. um but i think that was, that was actually probably from church if i'm honest because hmm. off the back of those things happening and then me finding church and where obviously you do a lot of praying where it's normally out you know verbally done rather right. than in your head mm -hmm. you just learn to talk and there's normally a hmm. space where people can talk I, maybe they didn't talk about those things per se but it allowed me to learn to articulate myself better. Mm. And I just kind of carried that forward. Gotcha. But I think when it came to the therapy session, I wasn't necessarily scared to talk to them. Like once I was there, mm. I was like, well, tell me stuff. All right, cool. 
let's start in a way that I feel comfortable. And eventually we just got to build a relationship, which made me feel you're more comfortable mm. talking to the individual. Yeah, it, it probably was a little bit foreign at first, but I think more times than not, if something has bothered you or has been bothering you, you've already had these conversations in your head anyway. It's just a matter of this person ain't here to judge you, this person's here to help you. There's mm. no, I don't think there's a therapist out in the world that's going to go through all that studying to do something to hurt people. That just feels too super villain like <laughs> for yeah. me. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think, how can you not want to help people once you hear some of the traumas they're going through? And some people don't even know they've gone through traumas. They think it's, you know, business as usual, like, oh, everyone's gone yeah. through that. Yeah, getting beaten with a metal rod is not normal. Yes, right. for in certain cultures it might be, but that's not right. right. It's certain it's certain right. things that you got to understand. Now, the reason why, because that's happened to you in your life, this is why you react to certain things in this way. But until you have that conversation, until you understand that context, you don't know. So yeah. Um, yeah. I guess a long way of saying it is just, yeah, um, I guess initially what took time, but mm. it wasn't that difficult, thankfully, because I'm sure it was a black guy I had who was my mm. therapist, but I think maybe having someone that looked like me helped. And the fact he's a guy, so it was, it was less of a, mm. oh, I've got to like less of a barrier. because it's a woman and I have to make sure okay. they understand what I mean. It so less was, of a barrier. It was a little, a little easier, a little more comfortable. Yeah, you look like me, okay. so. Okay. Yeah. And I like what you said. Um, yeah, a lot of things are um, normal. And for those that are just just listening, I'm putting quotes around this, and I, I believe Matt did too, is like, but normal doesn't necessarily mean it's good, right, or healthy. And normal is what's familiar to us. Like plenty of people yeah. become familiarized with really unhealthy, traumatizing things, and that becomes their normal because that's what they see every day. And so they adjust and adapt to that environment for better or for worse. So plenty of things across all cultures are not healthy and there's plenty of things in families in family cultures that are not healthy and yeah. yet they're normal and so like you know learning from that experience of oh yeah wait a second while this was normal for me it actually wasn't good it wasn't healthy or appropriate or right or just or true and so how do i begin to shift that that narrative and begin to change and grow and, and i think it's spot on um that you said that that relearning and kind of retraining right and kind of understanding why you react the way you do and where yeah. that comes from because it comes from an experience or experiences and yeah learning that even some of your actions while maybe are unhealthy served a purpose you know yeah. part of therapy is like sometimes you realize oh that's why i do this it's not very healthy but that makes sense why i do this or why i think this way or why i react this way or why i do x y and z okay now how do i now that i know that how do i trade it in for a healthier model you know um to deal with the situation and that's yeah a lot of therapy too. And I remember doing that because I did my own therapy before I became a therapist, um, you know, for a good, like almost two years, just kind of okay. working on my own stuff, which really yeah. got me, which is a big reason why I became a therapist was for my own, my own personal growth and my experience. Um, and I had to look inward and do, and look at my stuff that I was doing, my kind of the good, bad, ugly, you know, all of it, um, yeah. which can be very disarming and hard and a lot of work. And, uh, um, but also very, in the end, I'm a totally different person now than I was when I first went in. And so it is that kind of relearning and saying, okay, while this was normal, it wasn't good. And how do I then, and let me ask you this, from what you've learned in your therapy experience and you're just your journey this to this point, looking at your son and seeing him and, you know, flash forward 10, 15, 20 years, you know, yeah. he's now, he's now early twenties. That's I'm weird to man. think, right? <laughs> early twenties, <laughs> young man early 20s and you're yeah. looking at him and and from your journey and, and seeking seeing a therapist and doing all these things what do you want to model him what do you want him to know 
about mental health, about being a man, about fatherhood? Like what, what do you want to give him as a gift? If you give him one thing. Such a layered answer, really. Uh, question, sorry. It's, it's hard because within that, I think I just want to show my son that it's okay to feel whatever you feel, whenever mm. you feel it. Because even now I teach, I, I've allowed him that space. So if he mm. does something or he wakes up grumpy, I don't have a go at him because I wake up grumpy sometimes. So why am I going to say that only grown-ups can have those bad days? Kids can have those days too. Mm. But I think I want him to know that it's okay to feel whatever you feel. It's encouraged to talk about those things because more times than not, more people have empathy of you. They're honest with themselves. Mm. And you won't necessarily be judged wrongfully for having those feelings. Um, I think people commend you more for being open and honest and people know where you stand, where they stand with you. I honestly just want my son to not feel some of the things that I felt where, like, like I said before, where I left to go see my cousins or go see my family members and I was treated a certain way. Mm. Just he can be himself wherever he is and people know where they stand with him. If he yeah. tells, if he tells him, I'm not 100 today, bear with me guys if I'm a bit slow or not with it. They know where they're at because he's mentioned that. And I just wanted to feel comfortable. Um, trying definitely des- desperately not to plug it, but something like this is something I'll definitely want him to have read yeah. at some point in his life. Because yeah. the reason why I like this book so much, not just because we put it together, is because where it's got 20 different dads talking about a gay dad who's had a child through surrogacy or two children through surrogacy, someone who's um had um, a Christian and trying to work out his faith and fatherhood, someone who's lost their wife due to birth of their second child, someone who's had miscarriage, someone who's had a child pre-COVID and during the height of COVID, someone who's had to have their first Christmas away from their children and all these other topics and whatever else. It's a matter of there's 20 different dads from 20 different walks of life Mm. who all have a lot of commonality in there. Mm. And that will just show him that, mate, this isn't just your dad telling you or your uncle mm. telling you this. This is a whole bunch of people sharing their intimate parts of their lives. And mm. you can see that like, there's some people in the book where their life was mum and dad were together, they had a sibling, they got on really well, perfect mm. family, but how their introduction to um, a relationship was or how it ends up, they're separated and not with the, the mother of their children and so forth. It's like, no matter wh- how you start this journey, it doesn't mean that you're going to end up in the place that you started because it's not that at all. And, I think things like this where guys are willing to share their stuff, which is a form of therapy, mm-hmm. is important because it helps shape our understanding of how society really is versus what we see on social media. Mm-hmm. And social media is not going to go away. We're, you know, we're of the generation where we was introduced to the internet when it was just coming out. Mm-hmm. And then social media became part of our lives in our adult life. Kids now have the same username for every single platform because they're already born into that mindset where we're like, Oh, I've got to put one under my name now because this platform came out later on. And they know, they all know it, but I don't want him to think that just because the rest of the world does a, does something a certain way means that it's wrong if you do it a different way. Like mm. I said before, success if success was a number and that number was 10, different. A better way of putting it, if success was a pizza and you like anchovies and someone likes pineapple, it doesn't make any less of a pizza, well, to other people, to me, less of a pizza. Um, it's still a pizza. It just depends on what toppings you want on it. And yeah. I just think it's important that my son understands that I will love him irrespective mm. of what decisions he makes in life. Some decisions he's going to challenge me on and I'm here for it. I accept it. Some mm-hmm. decisions he's going to go along with what I want, which at the same time I will ask him, I will challenge him. Why mm-hmm. are you accepting what I've told you to do or what mum's mm-hmm. told you to do? I, I'm, I'm here for those conversations because as much as I feel that 
he's going to learn from me. I'm learning a hell of a lot from him and I mm. will do so even in his older age. And I look forward to it. I just don't want to get there just yet. <laughs> yeah. What a great way. I think actually just to end the, the, the show today, I mean, again, a great plug for the book is that it's 20 different dads, 20 different stories, you know, giving that gift of your son of one, Hey, I'm going to love you. I'm here. I love you regardless. And, and to learn not only from me, but from all these other people, all the other men and fathers, and to hear their, the diversity, right? And that yeah. what unites us, that there's a, lot of, there's a lot that unites us. And then also, how do we learn from each other's unique experiences to have empathy, understanding, to listen, to, you know, to also give away wisdom. And really, that's, 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 that's the core of what I just heard is learning from different perspectives to, which makes us just a better human being. Um, makes us gives us eyes and perspectives that we may never would have never had if we never have, would have listened to the story to begin with because yeah. we could we have assumptions all the time and you know kind of circling back to what you said at the beginning of this and uh which will now be part one is mm-hmm. you know never being asked as a dad when you went into the theater when your wife was going in for a cesarean yeah you know, not being asked as a father of, hey, how you, how are you doing? How are you feeling right now with what's yeah. about to happen? Or afterwards, how, how do you feel right now after what just happened? Yeah. And asking the question, asking the guy, the man, a question, hey, how are you doing? And not just bypassing him, not just dismissing yeah. him or, you know, and, and I don't even think it's an intentional thing. Actually, I think it's become a, a norm of just, we don't ask. It's just, you know, we just focus on the, you know, the person who gave the birth versus, hey, what did this guy go through? And what do they have to go through as they go home and enter into this new life and fatherhood? Um, and I think what a wonderful blessing and wonderful gift for your son is that I'm going to challenge you sometimes and you're going to challenge me, but it's be out of love and that I want the best for you. Uh, and I'm also willing to 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 learn from you as well. Even though I'm the dad, even though I'm the father, I'm not the expert. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still learning and growing. Every um, day. Uh, gosh every single day. And I, and I 100% second that too. Yes, I'm a therapist. I have letters behind my name, but I am not the expert of everybody. I'm, yeah. I'm a dad. I'm a man. I have, I have faults just like everybody else. Um, I have skills that I teach, but I still have mess ups and mistakes just like every other man, just like every other father. I still have to learn. I still have to practice what I teach my clients. And do I do it perfectly? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> I mess up a lot. You're um, human. I'm human. And, you know, obviously in, you know, in therapy, we can have that thing of, well, he's a therapist. They must be perfect. No, nope, not even close. I have to do the work just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, and if I don't do the work like everybody else, I then create problems for myself just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. One more time. I, I just to plug the book, the MFF, the, I love it. Music, uh, football, football and, Fatherhood, music, there football, fatherhood. <laughs> I love it. MFF. And so I'm going to, everyone follow the account on Instagram. Um, it's MFF online, right? Underscore. Yeah. Under, so MFF, underscore online. MFF, yeah. Under, uh, MFF online underscore. And the book is Dad, Untold Stories of Fatherhood, Love, mm-hmm. Mental Health and Masculinity. Yeah. 
And where can you get it? Where can you get the book? Um, if you go to www.weardad.co.uk, it will have links on where you can get it from. Because I believe Kelly said he was having issues getting it from um, getting it over in the States. But if you go to that link, you can get it in delivered the to you over there. Oh, good. Okay, good Good to know. Okay, that's great because we're going to have a lot of US listeners too. So um, I'm, I'm going to post that as well in the show notes. Everyone can click on the link. I'll have it linked into the show notes and you can find it. Easy access to the website. Um, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was honestly such a pleasure to hear. And I know there's so much we didn't even get to talk about. Um, uh, but it's already been an hour and a half and we could, I feel like with all my guests, I feel like I could talk for just, we could just keep talking, but unfortunately yeah. we'd, people start to tune out because it gets, gets too long, but we'll definitely have you on for a second, a second episode and, and have you back, but have a blessed, uh, rest of your day on a Sunday and, um, you know, enjoy your family time and just what you're going to do today, but we'll talk soon. Okay. Much appreciated. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Matt. Bye. Take care. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.